Hey, Quirky HR listener, it's Dana. I wanted to take a minute before we jump into this episode and just say thank you. This podcast was an idea that I had a couple years ago, and it took me a little bit to actually get the guts to make it happen from idea to publishing the first episode. And so I really just wanted to say thank you for listening. If you've listened to one episode or all of them, I'm just really grateful for the traction that this podcast has gained over the last almost a year, which is wild to think about. I also wanted to remind you that if you're a fan of the podcast, it helps it to subscribe on whatever platform you listen to it on. It also is really helpful if you can follow us on Instagram or Facebook. So on Instagram, we're at It's Just Business Podcast, and on Facebook, we're at It's Just Business Podcast and Coaching. And then lastly, it helps the podcast if you can share this with someone. There are hundreds of thousands of people who work in human resources or who work in operations and do some human resources. And if you find value in any episodes that you're listening to and want to pass this along to a colleague or a peer or a coworker or a fellow student if you're in school, that can just help this podcast reach more people. So any and all support I am entirely grateful for. And if you just want to stay a listener, that's great too. So I wanted to thank you again and thank you for making this fun little idea that I had in my head um, actually something that people enjoy. Now we'll get on to the show. Hey there, and welcome back to another episode of Quirky HR. I'm super excited this morning because we are going to be talking with Jamie Van Kike. She is the CEO and hiring strategist at Growing Your Team and the podcast host of the Growing Your Team podcast. Jamie, welcome to Quirky HR. Hello. Thank you so much for having me today. Thank you. So I um, I was telling someone earlier how we got connected because... I was interviewing someone else on another podcast that I do, and I was telling her that I want a community of badass, high-drive women who are goal-oriented and just really hungry for like scaling in business. And I asked about groups, and she recommended you, and turns out you work in the HR sphere. And so um, that's how we got here. So I'm really excited to have you in my network now. Yes, yes. I was so excited when you when you reached out because I think the lady that you're referring to, she was on my podcast actually twice. And it's just always great. Like when people have that great experience when they're working with you or on your podcast, and then they recommend you to other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So tell me about yourself and how you got into HR and specifically the hiring, recruiting, onboarding side of that function. Yeah, sounds good. So so yeah, so I am Jamie Van Kike, the owner of Growing Your Team. So we guide small business owners through the hiring process so they can learn to hire like a pro. So with our business, we focus strictly on hiring. And then with the employees, we help them hire. We help with the onboarding, making sure they have good onboarding plans so that person can really go from day one, brand new, new hire to that fully functioning employee that you envision when you go to hire somebody. I got into this kind of through like a weird path. Everyone assumes because I help with hiring now 
that I came from an HR corporate world and I didn't. I was on the opposite side in corporate. I was in operations leadership, internal operations, but I got a lot of experience with hiring because my team was entry level and my team was really good at what they did. So they were always being poached to go elsewhere in the organization, which meant very rarely did I not have a position open. When you have 10 people on your team and someone's always getting poached, like it's almost like you're always in that hiring mode. And if I wasn't hiring, or even sometimes when I was, one of my peer ma managers, because there were seven other managers that managed teams exactly like mine, they had an opening and they always didn't have time for hiring. So I'd be like, all right, I'm doing interviews anyway. Just let me know who you need on your team. Let me know what's different about being on, working on your team and the sales teams that your team supports versus like mine. So I got really good at being able to place people in different positions, just really knowing what was different about each role. We were all hiring account managers, but not one account manager role was exactly like the other account manager role based on the accounts that they were working on. Because of all that, I got really close with the HR team. So sometimes I would be pulled in for extra projects. And there was one that's a big hiring uh, project that we were doing that I worked hand in hand with HR and kind of learned everything from the HR side as well with through the hiring process. Left my corporate career to start a business on my own, a completely different business than I have now. Never really gave two thoughts about the hiring process. But about six months into that business, I realized it wasn't for me and I needed to make a change because I was miserable. And I was like, all right, I didn't start a business to be miserable every day and then just be happy because I'm calling myself a business owner. Like it doesn't work that way. I need to do something that really connects with my passion. And I learned through that that I loved consulting. So I was like, what can I do in the consultant space? Who can I support? And I started going to chamber events and I started talking to business owners there and they were all small business owners. And when we were talking about the challenges that they faced either now or throughout the time since they started their business, the number one thing that kept coming up was hiring. And they're like, I didn't know how to hire. I had to go through so many bad hires before I found a great hire. It was so time consuming. I still don't know if I'm doing it well. I really would have appreciated if I could find hiring help. And I was like, all right, well, I'll find you some. Because I thought at that point in time that my client was going to be corporate clients, like large corporate clients. And so I was like, all right, you're way below like my target audience. Like you're, you're, you're not large enough yet, but I'll find you someone. And I couldn't find really anybody that was helping the super small businesses with hiring specifically. Maybe it was bundled in with something else that they did. Or when they went to go help with hiring, they called it small business, but you needed 50 plus employees for them for them to work with you. And I'm like, all right, well, you can't get to 50 employees if you don't build that great team from the ground up. And so I decided, hey, I have all this knowledge. I have all these connections in the small business world. I'm going to help. And so now it's been five years that growing your team has been around that we've been helping small businesses throughout the hiring process. I love it so much. I love that you came from operations because I think that's a huge uh, skills gap or, or knowledge gap for HR professionals is, is understanding the big picture and operations. And I really, before we talk about onboarding, because that's what we're going to focus on, I want you to share a little bit about th that mindset and that philosophy of that your department was essentially like a pipeline for other departments of growth. And 
how you looked at that as this is what's best for the employee versus like what's best for you. Because I find that managers sometimes get so frustrated that they're going to lose a really good employee who might be seeking opportunities internally. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, it's the best thing, right? Because it's an employee who's committed to the organization. Right. Yeah. And that was like one way to look at it as we weren't losing these employees. Like, yes, they were moving on from our team. We had to rehire, but they were staying within the organization. And that was really important. One of the things that I focused on, I think for me, I was a really driven person coming in. So my problem was actually the opposite and going through a situation where I realized that my problem was the opposite, like kind of was that light bulb moment for me because I was a driven person and I came into the company as a temp and then I got hired on as a full-time account manager and then I got promoted to team lead and then I got promoted to manager all within, I think, three years, like all this happened. I was just like, all right, everyone else has this drive. Everyone else wants to move up in the organization. Everyone else is looking for the, always looking for that next thing. How can I improve? How can I get better? How can I climb this ladder? And I had this employee of mine. She was an older woman who had been an account manager for years. And as part of our yearly goals, it was like, all right, well, what do you want to do next? How can we get you there? And that was just like part of the standard goals that we had. And I was always pushing her. It's like, what do you want to do beyond this role? And she came back to me one day and she goes, why do you want me off your team? And I was like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I'm going to keep you on my team as long as I have you, but what do you want to do beyond this? And she's like, I'm older in my career. This is where I'm happy. This is where I want to be. This is where I want to retire. And that kind of helped flip the switch for me of like that light bulb moment of some people are happy where they are. Other people have goals to get to that next place. And it's your job as a leader or manager to help that person feel comfortable along that journey, help that person be prepared along that journey, help that person thrive in the right place for them. So with her, it was flipping that switch of, she's going to be my solid team member that's here when everybody else is leaving. How can I leverage her in that role? How can I leverage her knowledge that she's that solid rock on my team? And she became someone that I could really go for training purposes Or if I had an account where I'm just like, all right, there's been a lot of turnover on this account. I really need someone that's going to be around for the long term. I could put her on that account and things like that. And it made it because I knew that people had different goals and motivations, really focusing on what their goals and motivations were. And for the people that were going on and moving on, like just really looking at it as my job was to get the most out of them while they were on my team while also preparing them for that next step. Because if I help prepare them for that next step, they're more likely to stay within the organization. If I don't prepare them for that next step and I resist their growth and I say, no, 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 no. You got to stay here, you guys stay here. What are they going to do? They're going to look negatively on me and the organization and they're going to go elsewhere where they feel like they are given the opportunity to grow. So it's like, it was that really focusing on what is best for this employee and how can I nurture this employee where they are for the time that I have them. Mm. Did you see managers having a different mindset than that in the organization? Yeah, I definitely did. It was like, some people were like, oh, because they're just looking at it as the work of having to hire again. And it's like, okay, this person moved on. This person did something else. This person is growing. Especially a lot of us 
on the management team, like we grew up in the organization. I think when I was the manager there, I don't think there was anyone at that point in time that came in at that level from outside. So I was like, we're all people that kind of grew up in the organization and went on to something else that got promoted. So it's like, we can't be mad because someone's doing exactly what we did. And even the one time where I remember a manager just being like kind of frustrated because their employee gave notice and was actually going outside the organization. And I just remember looking at them. I was like, this is an employee you've been having problems with that you've been coaching and this may have been spending so much of your time. Like, yeah, like, you know, it's always great when there's an employee that's struggling and we're able to turn that around and able to turn them into a rock star employee. But that's not always going to be the case. And sometimes we need to just kind of like bless and release and let them go elsewhere and not feel personally attacked because somebody is deciding to leave. Yeah, it's never personal. And if it is, you know, Anytime someone leaves your organization or leaves your department, it's a moment to reflect, like, could you have done anything differently or could you have, you know, mentored them differently or held them accountable in a different way? Yeah. And and I feel like that rolls over a lot now within smaller businesses where, you know, a lot of people are like, well, my employees is going to leave. I don't have growth opportunities here. And it's like, okay, well, if you know you don't have growth opportunities here, How can you get the most out of this employee while you have them? How can you prepare them so even when they go on to that next role, that they look back positively on the time that they spent with you, that you you were a part of their journey and not a job that is like, oh yeah, there was that time that I worked there, but you know, it wasn't anything great. That yeah, maybe they're only with you for three years, two years, but that two years was a pivotal moment in their career. And that was because of you. So they refer people to you. They help you get other employees. They even refer clients your way. Like the whole thing where you're building people up and understanding that your position is only a pit stop on their career journey. Most likely they're not going to be there forever. Unless you've created a culture where they can be there forever because your company's growth path aligns with the growth path that they want. Mm. All right, let's talk about onboarding. So, yes. how for someone who isn't familiar with that terminology, what would you, uh, how would you define what onboarding is? Yeah, so onboarding is a series of trainings and interactions and growth that happens to take someone from day one, they're brand new to your organization, to being able to do the role that you hired them to do and meeting the expectations that you have for that role. And it's it's everything in between. I know a lot of people think of, oh, onboarding is day one. It's one meeting. Typically in the corporate world, it's like you meet with HR, you learn how to access your benefits and your time card. There you go. You're onboarded and we're done. Onboarding is really all that training that goes into that progression of what makes someone a good employee, someone who's going to be able to meet expectations. With some positions, it is fairly quick. With other positions, we've I've had clients where we put together our onboarding plans and it's about eight weeks. And I know sometimes that can seem like a long time, but sometimes there's a lot of things that people need to learn. And one of the things that I always feel that people think about onboarding, they're like, well, if I'm hiring someone that's skilled, if I'm hiring someone that's really good at what they do, why do I have to onboard them? It's just this easy, like you show them things. And I just always remind people is they might've done this role before, but they've never done it for you inside your organization. So you need to teach them what it is to do it right inside your organization and to be able to match your expectations. And that's part of really what onboarding is in a nutshell, is getting this person to the point where they can match your expectations. 
Um, I have so many questions. So, (laughs) so what, what were some things that you were doing when you were working in operations that you bring into your onboarding plans with your clients now? Yeah. So the biggest thing there was just kind of having a plan, knowing what these people needed to learn. It's one of those things when you're in the business and you're doing the work, it's daily. Like this is daily stuff that you're doing. And if you're a few years in, you forget that this isn't everyone's daily life yet. They don't know these terms. They don't know these systems. And so it's really about creating that plan and having an outline of what this person needs to train on. And that training doesn't always go from A to Z, go right down the list. Sometimes you have to bounce around. So it's that little bit of flexibility as well. In corporate, it was sometimes of who's going to have the time to train this person. Okay, this person was going to sit down and show them this. Now they got pulled into something that day. All right, well, how do we adjust it? How do we, how do we like change things up? So it was really about having that plan. So you knew that everything was being covered and things weren't being overlooked just because you forget to train on it because it's it's your everyday natural movement of things now in that organization. And how much of an initial onboarding plan should be training versus softer things like meetings and one-on-ones and social sessions? Ooh, so that's a good question. So I think it all it all depends. It all depends on really what that role is, what they need to learn, and how they're going to interact with people on the job. When we go and create onboarding plans with our clients, we look at it and say, all right, this might be a 40-hour-a-week job, but chances are that first week you do not have 40 hours available to trade in this team member because there's still work that needs to get done. So how do you balance actual training with other things so that way they're continuing to learn? We're not overwhelming them. We're not throwing like the fire hose at them for 40 hours that that first week. That the training's in a way that they can learn, they can also get hands-on experience and everything. So for some for some th- people, for some training plans, we have so many hours of training. And then they're going to see things live. They're going to see things in action. They're shadowing team members. They're just seeing it's like, all right. And sometimes it's that explanation of you're going to go sit down and shadow this team member. You're really not going to understand what they're doing yet, but we just want you to see it in action. Then we're going to break it down for you. And then you're going to go shadow this team member again. So now you know the process. But sometimes you want them to see it before you train on it. So that way they can actually like connect the dots back to what they saw when you're going through that training. With the training plans, we also figure like there's going to be times where that person needs to be on their own, that there's going to be nobody around. There's going to be no meetings they can attend. There's going to be no one they can really shadow because work still needs to get done. So what can they do during that time? Are there things where they can self-learn? Are there small activities they can do based on what they learned that they might have only learned one part of a process, but what can they do now that they know that part of the process? And sometimes it's just going and reviewing things. Um, For example, when I bring in employees from my business, I have my own podcast, the Growing Your Team podcast, and I have all my new employees go and listen to so many episodes within their first week. And the reason why I do that, I'm like, it's something they can do on their own. They get to pick which episodes, they get to pick which topic they want to go listen to, but it gives them an opportunity to really, really learn what we're passionate about here at Growing Your Team, what we talk about 
how we talk about these things. You know, there's some things like, for example, personality tests during the hiring process. Well, go listen to this. You can really hear our stance on this. And it gives them that extra thing to do that they can do it on their own. And someone doesn't have to be there holding their hand or training them or teaching them about these things. It's a way for them to understand our brand and and all those things. So the training plan is really a mix of things they can do on their own, projects, sitting with team members, and then actual training where someone's teaching them what to do. And it's an opportunity to infuse a bit of your culture, like your internal culture into it, right? I'm assuming by listening to the podcast episodes, they're learning who is Jamie? How does she hold, you know, what is her work style? All of those things. Um, And it helps their impression and their experience in their first, you know, 90 days or 60 days. Yes, exactly. Um, Whose responsibility should it be to make sure onboarding is happening appropriately? Great question. So it's whoever that person's manager is. It's their responsibility because at the end of the day, you're managing that team. You're giving the team member, you're giving them reviews. You're evaluating their feedback. Now there's going to be, depending on the position, sometimes feedback and things from other people. Like you're not going to know everything unless you gather that feedback, but it's your responsibility to gather that feedback. So if they're working with someone else in the organization, because it's part of your workflow and process that there's these handoffs. Well, you need to talk to that other person where that, that where that handoff is occurring to make sure that things are going well and there's no feedback on things that you're not seeing or hearing just naturally. But it's, it's some of those same things that you do when someone's on your team. But one of the things that I think is really important with onboarding and is setting goals, is understanding that, and once again, this is going to look different based on the role and how long that training plan really needs to be, depending on how much internal knowledge and processes this person needs to learn. But someone is not going to be a rock star, hit it out of the park employee on day one. There's a progression to get there. So sometimes you have to, we set goals around saying, what does success look like at the end of, for example, 30 days? Now, what does the success look like at the end of 60 days? Because that's another 30 days of them doing and learning and training. Now, what does success look like at the end of 90 days? What benchmarks should they hit? And that, when we set goals like that, it really helps with that hiring manager and everything to get into the mindset of, okay, my employee is not going to be great right away. Stop expecting them to be great right away. Let me measure them based on where they should be, not based on where I want them to be. And it also helps with the employee. And if the employees are being told, you need to get to do this, but they're not quite there yet, and they can look at it and say, okay, well, I eventually need to be able to do that 100% on my own, but at the end of 30 days, I'm only expected to do this. Or at the end of the first week, I'm only expected to do this. All right, I'm not behind. I'm not failing. I can succeed in this role. So when we set together kind of the that cadence of these goals, these measurements, It allows for really good reflective feedback and checking in on progress because we're not setting expectations that are too high that most people are not going to meet. And I think the big question around onboarding is how do we measure the ROI on the time spent? You know, time spent in whether it's just time or it's a learning management system or, you know, a social hour. How do we? measure the ROI on that? 
So I think it's just really looking once again against those goals. Are they helping that person progress to be able to achieve those goals? Are those goals being achieved? Is this person actually getting up to speed at what is right for your business and what is right for that role? If you think about the return on investment for any position is going to be once that person's actually functioning and doing what you hired them to do. So if you look at return on investment overall for a position, you're you're not going to hit that return on investment while that person's still in that training and onboarding period. It's after. So looking at the, your ROI for that onboarding and training, it's how quickly can we get this person up to speed in a way that is not, once again, overwhelming for that new team member, but is not cost prohibitive for, for yourself and for your company and your team, that things are actually of value. And looking is kind of saying, well, what does this do? How does this make a difference? How does this connect the dots for my team member? And sometimes in those training plans, there's going to be that filler. You're going to send them to a meeting that they're really not going to get much out of, but it's something for them to do. And it's sometimes like they might be learning that overall culture or here's that that other way of connecting that bigger dot. But could they also be successful without it? Possibly. So there's going to be a little bit of that filler in there because sometimes there needs to be. Because once again, you don't always have 40 hours to train a full-time employee every week. But it's just looking as... How is this getting this person to that finish line? And sometimes it is reevaluating our onboarding plans to say, is there something we could do better the next time? Is there something that we can eliminate or add so that way they can get to that finish line and being that functional employee quicker? Mm. All right. Tell us about the podcast a little bit. Yeah. So the podcast is the Growing Your Team podcast with Jamie Van Kuyk. Um, Sometimes you can just find it under Growing Your Team on the podcast platforms, but other times you do, do need to put it with Jamie Van Kuyk to have that extra little uh, search when you're looking on the podcasting platforms. Um, it We talk all about hiring, onboarding, and leading team members within smaller businesses. So it's a mix of bringing in guests and then some educational episodes. And with our guests, We bring in experts that can really help you teach you things about hiring and onboarding and leading your team members. We also bring in people that have real life experiences that are sharing their wins, their failures, the things that they had to overcome and adjust in order to be successful within their business and with their employees. And then occasionally, we also bring in employees that have stories to share. So that way you can really learn why what we talk about matters, you know, how these things actually make a difference for your employees. Because at the end of the day, we want our employees to be happy so they stay around, so they have that positive thoughts when they think about our organization. And so we want to really show you that this is why this stuff matters. It's not just we're telling you this because we we feel like it's good feedback. We feel like it's a good thing to do. It matters to the employees. I love that perspective. That's so cool. Where can uh, listeners connect with you and find more about you and use your services? Yes. So you can find out more about us by going to growingyourteam.com. We also do a lot on Instagram. So we're at growing your team on Instagram. Awesome. Jamie, thank you so much. And of course, all of Jamie's information and where to find her, connect with her, the podcast, um, her website will all be in the show notes. So please check those out and connect with Jamie. 